Um, and and when you know he he's he's working with not the right personnel right now. He's he didn't have um, Reggie Bush last week. He didn't have Calvin Johnson, and we're running out of time here. But I think it's really more a, an issue of Matt Stafford developing, continuing to learn this offense. All right, on behalf of Kevin Klein. Zach Shaw, or Eli Sherman, and Simon Kaufman. I'm Leo Blavin. Good night and go blue. Predictability, the milkman, the paper boy, evening TV. Looks into the end zone. Touchdown, Devin Funches. And the crowd here at Michigan Stadium loving it. Finally, the fruits of their labor paying off, getting a goal. Your radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM, WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan, operated by students at the University of Michigan, uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Well, it's time for another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim Dwyer will be here shortly. He's uh, caught in the unexpected traffic jams that are (laughs) all over Ann Arbor. For some reason, we're working on some major streets post, well, usually the construction in the city is sort of completed by football season for obvious reasons. But not this year. And (laughs) Jackson uh, had to be done regardless. But uh, it's kind of unfortunate that there are a number of main arteries into Ann Arbor with uh, construction zones still in operation. But that's life in the big city. And, of course, uh, interesting that the roads and Michigan's roads were one of the big issues in yesterday's gubernatorial debate between Mark Schauer and Rick Snyder. Uh, I heard it on the radio, sort of got into it about 10 minutes late. Thanks to WUOM for broadcasting the debate on the radio, as I'm without TV at the moment. And I thought it was uh, sort of pro forma, not too unexpected. I thought Schauer um, was uh, very professional, very aggressive. He showed that he is a kind of polished, professional politician. Snyder was a little bit on the defensive. 
he's got that horrible nasally voice that doesn't come across very well on the uh, radio, and he struck me as overly reliant on some kind of memorized facts that that <laughs> kind of made him look a little nerdy, but that's what he ran on. Nerdiness, if you'll recall. Um, I suspect that Shower will, will make the race close. Uh, Snyder will probably win re-election narrowly. One interesting factor in the whole uh, Michigan state elections is the fact that Terry Lynn Land is sort of dropping like a fisherman sinker in the water. Uh, the uh, interest groups that uh, support the Republican Party have sort of announced that they're not uh, <laughs> going to fund her anymore. And she is an absolutely horrible candidate, not acquainted with the issues, and never should have run for national office. She just doesn't have any expertise in the relevant national issues of our era. But then who does? <laughs> this election, unfortunately, is a little too... Uh, uh, superficial for my opinion. The Republicans really should be way ahead uh, in polls, and this may turn out to be about the ground game. People are sick of the TV ads. There's too many of them. They're too misleading. And unfortunately, there isn't uh, enough substantive analysis of what's really going on. So I guess what I'm saying in the in the short term is sh Shower may benefit from a uh, a kind of a coattails effect that um, Gary Peters may provide. Um, you are allowed to vote straight ticket now, and some people may just want to save time and hit the straight party ticket. Um, I don't see um, the far right in the sort of Grand Rapids, metro uh, outskirts of Grand Rapids, because uh, interestingly, Grand Rapids as a city, is turning more and more Democrat. And this is one of the reasons that presidential candidates have won the last five elections here. Um, this is one state where Obama um, can campaign in. They've had a lot of reports about how he's being kept on the bench, so to speak. But he's being kept on the bench for obvious reasons. The Democrats are defending a number of southern states and it's interesting when I mention coattails that uh, Kay Hagan, for instance, in, in, in North Carolina, who I think will narrowly win re-election, um, <clears throat> she benefited from Obama's coattails in 2008. Baggage in Atlanta, uh, in Alaska, may have benefited a little bit uh, from Obama's coattails. So presidents do have coattails uh, in certain areas, but uh, it's interesting that Bill Clinton is still the star of the show. And there have been a number of profiles about him. He's actually aggressively campaigning in quite a few states, uh, sort of as a surrogate for his wife, who probably will run for president in 2016, and as the good Democrat uh, that he sort of is. He's kind of the rock star of our generation. And as the pundits have put it, <clears throat> he's a very different... Uh, type of politician than Obama. Obama's kind of analytical. Professorial. Uh, professorial. Leon Panetta's got a memoir out that uh, takes him to task for being too much like a law professor, too slow to make decisions, whereas Bill Clinton is a guy that likes to kind of roll up his sleeves and get in the mud, do the negotiating. He's kind of like Lyndon Johnson. I was going to say, the old-fashioned uh, 
sort of politician. And he's got those uh, friendly, uh, he's willing to negotiate, willing to cut deals. And, of course, the other side, back when Clinton was president, was much more moderate and more willing to cut deals. So, uh, But Clinton is a superb campaigner and is able to emphasize themes. I think one of the interesting things will be how does Mark Pryor do in Arkansas? <laughs> because uh, the Pryor name is an old Democratic sort of... Uh, family. Uh, I think that Mary Landrieu will win in Louisiana. That's another family dynasty uh, in that state. So I don't think the Democrats are going to do quite as poorly as the pundits predict, but it's going to come down to the ground game turnout. And to be quite frank with you, the Republicans have, <laughs> I don't know, they've almost beleaguered the, the airwaves with so many negative ads. They're They're counting on the fact that turnout will be low and that they will benefit from this. But in some states, they may not. <laughs> because, as I say, <clears throat> if Snyder has a vulnerability in the state of Michigan, it's that uh, far conservative, far right-wing conservatives here are not too enthusiastic about him. He's been—well, first of all, he did veto a gun bill, um, to his credit. He um, has not uh, touched the abortion issue. And, of course, he was a little— uh, Well, that's a—I mean— that's a grenade. So that's yeah, that's a no-brainer to not touch that one. But of course, he's not satisfied the far right in Michigan, and well, <clears throat> sure, the uh, gay marriage issue, which I think is patently irrelevant, but that came up in the debate, and he sort of dodged it. But then he said he was in favor of it, but he deferred to the to the courts. So there was a little bit of a dodge there, but. Uh, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, he he does have this continuing problem with the uh, prison contract that has, I don't know, uh, put a little bit of uh, scuff on his varnish. Well, his brother's furniture uh, contract is also a little bit of a glaring faux pas. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that he slightly lost the debate, but... Uh, um, well, the not, free press poll shows the undecided uh, attendees in the actual room at uh, Wayne State mm -hmm. um, heavily, not heavily, but favoring Shower. Yeah, and I, I thought that Shower won the debate on points. He was very aggressive, uh, very clear about where he stood on issues. I thought that was one of his good points. Uh, he sort of uh, borrowed a page from Hillary Clinton. Because I thought Hillary Clinton in uh, 2008 won most of the debates, but so did John Kerry in 2004. Winning debates is uh, sometimes, especially when there's only one, uh, not good enough. And uh, Terry Lynn Land won't debate Gary Peters. <laughs> She's uh, hiding under a giant mushroom with Dave Camp somewhere up near Cadillac, I'm afraid. Yeah, sniffing the fumes of... Koch brothers' money, and uh, the extent to which the baggage of the Koch brothers' uh, imprint on the Republican Party is going to sort of taint it as a brand um, in the minds of uh, maybe some traditionally Republican voters is not to be discounted. Uh, you mentioned the GOP's counting on low turnout. That's the party that actively pursues voter ID laws. Sure. And that have it, all been struck down, by the exactly, way. Exactly. Temporarily. Temporarily. <laughs> uh, most recently in Texas, of mm -hmm. all places, um, where 
I'm reading from the lead uh, opinion in today's uh, New York Times, page 18. Uh, there have been two convictions for in-person voter impersonation in one 10-year period. During that time, 20 million votes were cast. Okay, so this is not a problem. The People get caught when they do that. Uh, you don't need to throw up extra hurdles and burdens between uh, citizens and the ballot box unless you stand to politically gain from disenfranchisement. And I think the the party that willingly supports voter disenfranchisement, that's got to come back and stick on you after a while. Uh, and on Snyder, um, he likes to put himself off as a man of principles. Oh, my personal opinion doesn't matter. I'll wait. I'll see what the courts decide. Uh, well, a failure to state your own personal view. I mean, if you're governor, you have to enforce the laws. That's sure. your job. Uh, and that's, by the way, been one of Eric Holder's problems as attorney general. He's, I think, been enforcing laws that he doesn't necessarily agree with personally. Right. But what can he do? Yeah. So the laws have to be changed by Congress that <clears throat> can't even change its own underwear. They're so stale. Oh, that's true. But Snyder, for his part, Governor Snyder, uh, cannot really be seen as a man of his word, which I would think would be part of being a principled man, because he's consistently misled people. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to make it a right to work state. Boom. Michigan's a right to work state. Yeah. So uh, Snyder's not to be taken at his word. Well, that and the pensions issue probably will will help uh, the union uh, constituency get out the vote. But, of course, uh, what's emerging, uh, as we we now well know, is the fact that there is a big divide in America regarding age. And older, whiter voters don't like Obama. Uh, We know why. This is one of those things that we don't want to talk about in America, how racist— some of our parents and grandparents might be uh, because they adhere to old-fashioned views. And, of course, younger people are much more liberal um, on the issues. This is why same-sex marriage is now seen by most Americans under a certain age as eh, a shoulder shrug. And it's interesting that Republicans have kind of downplayed that issue um, probably wisely— uh, they have not, the Tea Party, for all intents and purposes, is pretty much out of the game because the Chamber of Commerce and the mainstream Republican Party has come uh, to the rescue of the so-called mainstream Republican Party. But it is interesting that Pat Roberts would be in trouble in Kansas to an independent, that a seat in South Dakota might be won by Larry Pressler, a former senator there who was Republican, who's running as an independent and who endorsed Barack Obama both in 2008 and 2000 and 2012. So uh, there are some fascinating state races. Mitch McConnell is in a neck-to-neck race in Kentucky with uh, uh, Challenger, a very attractive candidate uh, in terms of substance. And when I boldly predicted in 1986 that the Democrats would take control of the Senate— which I did at the time. That was kind of going out on a limb, but um, Iran-Contra, by the way, had not really broken yet. The first story appeared on Sunday before the actual voting, but uh, in a Lebanese newspaper. But uh, Reagan was quickly beleaguered with the Iran-Contra affair. And 
We also know from the polling, the reason that these pollsters sometimes turn out to be a little inaccurate, is that the number of landline phones in America is now below 10% of the households. And polling institutions and entities are having difficulty uh, getting people on the phone. <laughs> because they, they sort of telemarketers and surveys. <laughs> you know, people are too busy texting. They don't pick up the phone. <laughs> um, well, and only it, uh, surveying by landline phone guarantees that the uh, random age of your sample is going to be over a certain age. Yeah. And you'll have to do some extrapolating. Nobody under 40 will answer that. I still have a landline phone, and I was clearly called by a Republican candidate for my opinions, which I gave freely. And uh, I'm sure they were very grateful for your help. Well, on Sherry Lynn Land, I just said woefully qualified, (laughs) unqualified, I should say. she is a uh, she's a disastrous candidate. She may be the worst Republican senatorial candidate they've got going this year. Uh, if you if you put them all back to back nationwide, because she's been running away from the media uh, since the famous uh, conference, the conservative conference up on Mackinac Island, where she apparently had a bit of a Fermi two meltdown uh, that the media caught, and uh, Gary Peters is taking a little bit of an advantage. And as I say, it's almost unprecedented to uh, see a, a guy that's seemingly well ahead uh, asking for debates <laughs> because she he knows that she's just not ready for prime time. Yeah, that would be <laughs> almost fun. Um, I don't know. I don't even think Sarah Palin can rescue her. No, well, it's that's... Amusing, amusing to hear, by the way, that there was a kind of a hee-haw moment over the over the last week involving the Palin family getting into a brawl <laughs> with with some of those great Fisticuffs with Cletus <laughs> with great names Pistol and Bristol and <laughs> what's the other one Trigger I, they have such funny names there it's almost like a sitcom and I'm sure that hopefully there's there's some film of this <laughs> somebody hopefully got out the uh Oh, I'm sure they're all filming it themselves on their cell phones. It's probably on YouTube already. Yeah, well, apparently the older... Here's Bristol hitting Pistol. (laughs) (laughs) It's Bristol against Pistol. Well, yeah, apparently the... uh, Bristol was asked to leave, and apparently the son, uh, Trigger, or whatever his name is, uh, got a little uh, drunk, as they say, and had his shirt off. (laughs) Was looking for some... Somebody to slug... I hope it's on uh, video. Hope it uh, makes it to YouTube because uh, this country needs more laughs. Well, this one's kind of a laugh, but it's also kind of demonstrative of the uh, ah, low standards uh, by which parties vet candidates. This is not somebody running for national office, but a guy named Gordon Klingenschmidt is running for a seat in Colorado's state assembly. He sent out an email that condemned, quote, the openly homosexual congressman Jared Polis. This email goes on to say, quote, Democrats like Polis want to bankrupt Christians who refuse to worship and endorse his sodomy. Next, he'll join ISIS in beheading Christians, but not just in Syria, right here in America. Close quote. That's the guy you want running on your ticket? That guy's obviously a moron. 
Curtis, and insane. Yeah, courtesy of the progressive, they always have good things on their no comment. Oh, for me, Gordon Klingenschmidt, I'm the anti-sodomy, anti-decapitation candidate. Well, Walmart was in the news this week. Uh, we'll give them a brain damage award. Uh, they announced that they're canceling <laughs> as of the first of the year. Insurance for the, uh, some estimated 30,000 workers nationwide who don't get more than 30 hours a week. Uh, these, of course, are part-time people, most vulnerable to something like that. Um, Walmart, uh, and I'm just going to read from a Harper's Index, uh, it's noted that the percentage change in the number of Walmart, Walmart stores nationwide since 2008, plus 15, the size of Walmart's retail force, zero. Um, and just another uh, funny one that will be a segue to our next segment. Number of people Obama has pardoned since becoming president, 39. Number of turkeys, eight. Well, Turkey's been in the news. <laughs> uh, well, we won't bother talking about the turkeys that are running for political office this year, because there are so many of them. But we will talk about the nation of Turkey, uh, sort of a big development over the weekend to the extent that they are now going to permit use of their air bases for airstrikes against ISIL, ISIL, <laughs> ISIS, you name it. ISIL, I think, is the the best way to go. ISIS has too many other connotations. I just prefer random dudes in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what it is. Some guys who are trying some stuff that ain't going to work. But it's going to be messy. So, yeah, Turkey is, of course, holding fast to the idea that <laughs> overthrowing Assad is a bigger priority than this obvious refugee problem that they have on their border. <laughs> as this uh, unfortunate uh, town, village, city of Kobani is, is still being, uh, well, it's still be being besieged, basically. Well, their reluctance to get involved on the ground in Kobani uh, is understandable. Uh, when you look just off to the east, uh, there's stories about the governor of the Kurdistan region of Iraq is willing to commit ground troops. So if you don't if you need further proof that Iraq no longer technically exists as a nation, one section of Iraq is committed to ground troops against ISIL. The others are not. So that's like uh you know Texas declaring its own war against Mexico and the rest of us going, "Well, maybe not." Yeah, and the Kurds seem to be holding their own so to speak with some assistance uh from the airstrikes, but obviously Negotiations continue. This is going to be a long uh, situation, undoubtedly. And, uh, well, <laughs> stay tuned. I'm kind of wondering where the uh, the foreign le the French Foreign Legion is. Isn't there an episode of Laurel and Hardy where they... <laughs> Flying deuces, yeah. <laughs> where they are in the Foreign Legion. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great one. It's <laughs> been a long time since I've seen that, but that's uh, kind of amusing because of the... Uh, the plot involved the uh, jilted uh, the jilted lover decides he's so lovelorn and going to forget all my romantic troubles and join the foreign legion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, I forgot all about him. Two days later, <laughs> ah, it's no problem. I, you can't leave. <laughs> and then of course, uh, it turns out everybody's got a picture of his sweetheart. <laughs> that ain't no sweetheart. 
That's a gold digger. Yeah. Oh dear. Laurel and Hardy. Strange stuff. I uh, wanted to mention maybe the, one of the more interesting historical stories of the week. This involves Robert Oppenheimer and the suppression of documents huh. uh, that are still involved in the Cold War and the so-called anti-communist uh, crusade that was going on. Oppenheimer, of course, uh, was the the man in charge of the Manhattan Project um, because he was a brilliant physicist. And like Roosevelt, to some extent, he was a good administrator. But allegations of leftist sympathies, communist connections and whatnot. I think it's either it was either his wife or a girlfriend in college was was linked to his brother. Re- well, and also and a, brother, a, a former yeah. girlfriend. Yeah, um, that's how, you know peripheral the the connections ha- could be yeah to get and, you under scrutiny and he was uh, certainly a left leftist there's no question about that but i did he there were some loyalty hearings that uh, occurred in the early 50s mm-hmm. in which edward teller uh became one of the star witnesses against robert oppenheimer and of course edward teller was the big advocate of the hydrogen bomb and um, Star Wars, he played a sort of a starring role in the Reagan Cold War rearmament of America that was a tremendous waste of money. You have to wonder uh, about the extent to which Teller's apprehension over Oppenheimer's willingness to state openly, oh my God, what have we done? Uh, by just making the the first couple of atomic bombs was was tantamount itself to some sort of disloyalty, treason. Yeah, and this is the thing. Oppenheimer was opposed to further um, development of nuclear weapons. He pretty much said America had enough and was opposed to the hydrogen bomb uh, going forward. There were 19 days of hearings in uh, between April and May of 1954. And these new declassified documents in which a uh, historian named Richard Pollenberg, I've read one of his books, uh, of Cornell uh, University, um, questions why these documents were um, classified, because they sort of exonerate Oppenheimer of being loyalty, of being loyal, and that this was merely a, a matter of disagreement over policy should point out that Albert Einstein was opposed to further development of nuclear weapons as were many prominent Americans Uh, it of course ended up being an incredible waste of money there are nuclear sites all over the United States that continue to leak toxins that will be deadly for hundreds of years yeah and you know when you look at some of the science of course, people are opposed to science these days in very, very yeah. <laughs> proportions. Um, uh, indicate that some of this material is radioactive for thousands of years. Um, I read Richard Rose's <clears throat> Dark Sun, The Making of the Hydrogen Bomb. And, uh, of course, Leslie Groves was the military leader that sort of took away... Uh, Oppenheimer's security clearance after kind of going to Eisenhower, and this, of course, occurred 
uh, after McCarthyism was on the wane. But, of course, I've been reading a lot of stuff about Alger Hiss, and it's interesting how many documents and or pieces of evidence have been suppressed to distort the actual history of what what happened in the case of Alger Hiss, for instance. There's a very famous picture of Richard Nixon with a magnifying glass with Robert Stripling at his side looking at microfilm. Chambers produced microfilm, the so-called pumpkin papers, in December of 1948 uh, when it was quite clear that uh, HUAC was in trouble as a committee because uh, Truman unexpectedly won re-election and the Democrats took control of Congress. So the anti-communist crusade that Hoover and Nixon were involved in were very desperate for the case to continue. Uh, Of course, the microfilm, five spools of it, proved that Chambers was an espionage agent, not that Hiss was. But um, no matter, uh, these microfilm were allegedly kept in a dumbwaiter in New York for 10 years by Whitaker Chambers, and they were never independently confirmed as uh, any sort of evidence. In fact, they weren't. uh, They never went to the Soviet Union. Chambers kept them, I think, as blackmail papers for reasons that remain unexplained. But what's interesting is one of the canisters was completely blank, and two of them contained uh, so-called Navy documents that, of course, had no secrets whatsoever. All of the information was publicly available in libraries, and, of course, there were interesting things on how to paint a fire extinguisher. (laughs) Uh, These two, quote, blank pieces of microfilm were sort of used as, you know, kind of like Colin Powell shaking the vial. I have a vial of anthrax here. (laughs) Yeah, the dramatic image that's provided when somebody can... Look at this film. Look at this microphone that we found in a pumpkin. And, of course, Trixie Nixon. <laughs> that was his nickname by one of Chambers' children. Uncle Trixie. Uncle Trixie. I <laughs> uh, used the magnifying glass to kind of come across as Sherlock Holmes, you know, looking at clothes. Weird stuff, but uh, this information was suppressed for over 20 years. And it's interesting, by the way, that it took the historian that wrote an, a, a recent book about Ronald Reagan being a secret FBI informant hmm. with the identity of T-10, he had to spend $600,000 uh, getting documents that he was entitled to free under the Freedom of Information Act. So Cold War documents, and by the way, documents about the Gulf of Tonkin are being released uh, as we speak, are still fascinating as they trickle out regarding some of the secret histories of, of the America's involvement in the Cold War and how uh, conservative ideology was used to distort the image with a element of fear and hysteria that we're seeing prevalently used here in uh, the United States with the Ebola crisis and the ISIL crisis. And right. Well, here who knows what else. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We provide the antidote to fear and hysteria. It's. Uh, Thoughtful discourse and uh, good music. Uh, it's the top of the hour, pretty much. We have a little bit of extra time, it looks like, until Yazzie City Calling gets uh, rolling. We'll see uh, how that commences. Oh, it looks like uh, someone has entered the building. So uh, just about a minute left to go. I'd like to thank Andrew King for engineering tonight's program. Indeed. And we wanted to mention 
maybe in closing that WCBN is uh, <clears throat> hosting a little uh, film uh, powwow at the Arbor Brewing tomorrow night, free of charge. Yeah, the 